Hello and welcome to this Head Talks podcast. I'm Terry Stiasny and I've been speaking to Harriet Whaley-Cohen. She's now a leadership coach, speaker and mentor to other women. But Harriet has come through some tough times to reach this point. Hi, my name's Harriet Whaley-Cohen and I'm a single mother of two gorgeous boys and also a cockapoo called Fizzy who has exactly the same hair as I do. And that's a little bit about me personally. In my business, I empower women around how they feel about themselves and their potential massively for the better by changing the way they think, act and feel in their relationship with themselves. Yeah. Um, and it's all about changing their their confidence, well-being and success by getting rid of self-doubt, sabotaging patterns and, and feelings of, of complete overwhelm. Your business now is helping other women develop their own resources. Have you always been a resilient person or is this something you yourself have had to learn? It's very much something I've always had to learn. It's not something um, I had as a teenager or even as a young woman. Um, And it is something I've had to learn how to dig deep, get through really difficult situations and come out the other end stronger hopefully sometimes wiser for sure when I think about things so I've been clean and sober for over 18 years now since 2002 and I almost died actually of addictions in in my early 20s and it took an enormous amount of swallowing of pride and digging deep and, and learning to do do life a different way a way that meant never running away from how I felt and dealing with life on life's terms And I'd love to say that's been the big thing for me, but that has been the foundation from which I've been able to deal with all kinds of other things. So going through a divorce, you know, when I realised that that relationship wasn't making either of us happy um, and it probably wasn't a healthy relationship either. So that that was tricky and retraining, launching a business. And I would again love to say it was all plain sailing after that, but it wasn't because it was a few years after that in 2016 when someone who wasn't paying attention smashed into the back of my car on the motorway and left me with severe head and neck injuries and vestibular damage and all kinds of problems Um, and I had to really learn to adapt to life in constant pain with limited movement um, from you know being it was just before my 40th birthday and and really adapt how I did life and to what was now possible and it that was possibly one of the most difficult things I've ever gone through and and what that meant was is that in 2018 um, about two and a half years after that when I received the news that there were some early stage um, cancer cells trying to make their home in my body in one of my boobs that I was actually quite well placed to be able to adapt and say right okay what do I need to do to get through this Um, and perhaps even not just just about survive emotionally but you know make the best of a really really challenging situation I moved from London to the countryside for a different way of life and an amazing school for my boys and it was the third day of term and I knew not a single soul and I remember driving back from the hospital in London where I'd been given the news and standing on the touchline and all these really friendly other parents were like oh you know you're one of the new ones hello how are you and me just looking at them going I'm fine it's all fine and inside you know swearing a lot inside going oh my god I can't tell these people what I've you know so I'm still processing it myself but anyhow 
resilience is not something that I was born with. I, I think I've picked things up along the way that have helped me. And 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 I bring that to the work I do, really. I bring I bring everything that I've learned along the way, as well as things that I've learned through taking courses and, and studying and all of that kind of thing. That does sound like you've had an incredible amount that life has just thrown at you that you've had to cope with. Was there ever a point when you felt this is just unfair, I can't do this, that you felt that, you know, you couldn't keep dealing with everything that was being thrown at you? Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think I remember in the week or so after the cancer diagnosis, screaming and shouting on my dog walks, shouting at the universe, shouting even at God and saying, well, you know, make it stop. Isn't this not enough now? You know, and, and, and really feeling like perhaps I'd shown rather too well that I could get through anything. And so it was all being thrown at me and just going, can we make it stop? Can this be it now? I'm really, really done with this. And 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 I think there was a period as well when after receiving the diagnosis, where they then wanted to do a whole bunch more tests to get a fuller picture, where for about a month, it felt like the news was getting worse and worse and worse. And that was absolutely terrifying and just not knowing what the future held at all. And that was a point at which I think it was very easy to think. I don't know if I can get through this, but then having to dig into all the tools that I've picked up along the way, things like just get through the next minute. Don't don't worry about what's going to happen tonight. Let's just do the next minute or the next five minutes. Things like that became enormously helpful. So tell me something about the tools and the skills that you've learned, because from what you're saying, it's obviously not just that you take a sort of Pollyanna-ish attitude of everything's going to be fine and it's it's all going to be okay. You obviously have to go through a process of of dealing and being angry uh what are the first skills that you try to help other people when they're facing similar problems I think the very first thing that is the most helpful for anybody is acceptance and there's a quote that I love that is if you argue with reality you lose but only a hundred percent of the time and the more that you can step into acceptance of what is rather than saying this is unfair or being in victim mode or saying I don't want it to be like this. And I think we've all felt like that in lockdown and over the last year with what's going on in the world. Just thought, God, I, I can't do this anymore. But actually, or, or it's unfair. I don't want to have to do this. But sometimes when you haven't got a choice, the sooner that you can accept what's going on, it enables you to then step into potential solutions or ways of coping with what's going on. But the more that you're in fight mode or not willing to accept, it stops you from being able to manage it. And it takes up an enormous amount of energy as well. So once you have accepted that, you know, you're in a sticky situation, there's some kind of a problem, where do you go from there? What is the next stage? One of the things that's helped me enormously is instead of saying, why is this happening to me, is to say, why is this happening for me? And I'm not saying that in a way that brings up resonance of toxic positivity, which is something I'm dead against. I can't stand the whole good vibes only, just think positively, because sometimes things are really rubbish, and you do need to have a good cry, and you, and you need to just process the the terrible things that are going on um, and the unfortunate things and the things that feel unfair. So I'm not saying deny your reality. However, um, once you can um, process through that, 
and get to that, why is this happening for me? Why might there be a gift in this? And not only that, shift your thinking from, I have to do this, I have to now go for more tests, or I have to stay at home for another month, whatever it is, you you can shift it to, I get to do this, I get to stay home and stay safe. I don't have to work on the front line, I'm able to keep my children safe, I get to go and have tests, I get to go and have surgery and, and, and have this taken out of my body before it's had the chance to mutate. Okay, it's not ideal, but actually, in the big picture of things, when, when I look back in five years in hindsight, I'll say, well, actually, that was a gift. It is happening for me, and it was a gift. And and I think those are two really important shifts, that, that why is it happening for me, not to me? And also, I get to do this rather than I have to do this. And it, it changes the energy as well. I think it can make you feel empowered. It can make you feel full of gratitude. And it helps you to just get on with what you've got to get on with in front of you and to start being able to do things like reach out for help and all of that, which is is super important. But once you can get out of that victim mode into there may be gifts in this, even though it may just be a silver lining for a very large cloud, but there will be some gifts and all of that to then saying, okay, what am I going to do about this? How can I get through this really well? How can I get through this to the best of my ability? It strikes me from listening to your story that in a way there's maybe two kinds of dealing with a situation. There's the kind of dealing with a situation where you just say, I've got to stick with it. I've got to get through it, uh, such as when you're dealing with illness or maybe with, with the pandemic. And there's a kind of situation where you also say, I have to change something about my life now and that is in my control if that's a moving to the country or leaving a relationship do you think there's a difference between those two kinds of dealing with a difficult situation definitely I think when things are thrust upon you that you would never have chosen then you have to get over the victim part and that it's you know feeling like a toddler who wants to stamp their foot and say it's so unfair why can't I you know stay up till midnight watching Peppa Pig or whatever um there's definitely that energy and then there's a sense of realizing that the choices as you said so for example um with with the addictions and also perhaps around my marriage even of realizing that the choices that you've made or the situation you find yourself in isn't serving you in any way whatsoever and you're not prepared to tolerate it or to pay the price that comes along with it anymore and and you've got to then create some momentum and make difficult decisions with with an eye on the longer term gain of that and get through the sticky bit before you get to the good bit. And when you're in a difficult situation, how easy is it to know whether this is just, just something that you have to kind of power through or to know whether it's a situation that you need to change? That is a really good question. I think that when it's something external that's forced on you, like lockdown, that's a situation where it everything is outside your circle of control. I mean, yes, of course, we could start writing to our MPs and campaigning and this, that and the other. But, but basically, most of it is outside of our circle of control. Um, and that is when you just, the, the quicker you can adapt and get out of this is so unfair, get out of toddler mode, get out of victim mode and pivot to the solution. Sorry to use the word pivot, it's been really overused, hasn't it, the last year? But anyway, the sooner that you can adapt to the solutions of how you're going to do it and, and all of that and accept it, the better. Because then you can just get to the 
getting through it stage. Um, but when when it's something that feels as though it's been um, that you have to make the decision yourself, I think if there's this, there's an internal surrender or rock bottom that comes. It's it's almost a sick and tired of being sick and tired feeling and a sense of there's got to be more than this and I deserve more than this. There's also a shred of self-worth that's required and dreaming, dreaming of a different future and of feeling different and of having a different life and being willing to do whatever it takes and say, OK, you know what? this And, and, and I think the strength in saying this isn't working. People often talk about a failed marriage. But actually, I think it's a success if both parties can say, you know what, this just we, we've given it our best shot and this isn't the right thing for all of us and move on. Or, for example, with, um, you know, back in my mid 20s, when I, I knew I had to change something and that I could not keep drinking and taking drugs the way that I was because of the extremely dark places it was taking me to. Um, and I just said, right, I. I've got to do things differently. I am not prepared to feel this way any longer. And there's got to be a different way. And it's got to be better than this. It's almost a feeling of not this, just not this. I'm prepared to take that leap of faith because not this. And you talk briefly there about relying on other people as well. How much do you need to build your resilience uh, by using your own resources? And how much is the, are the resources of others a big help here? I think that having an amazing support network and being able to reach out and ask for help which often requires swallowing of pride and not listening to that pesky inner critic that says no one wants to hear from you you're being silly da, 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 um, is an enormous help when you know that you're not alone and when you've got people who say yep yeah, I've been through that and I can help you get through this I'm here with you you feel as though it's going to be okay often it's when we feel we can't, we might feel ashamed or we feel silly or whatever it is. And we think that we shouldn't reach out to anybody or we can't, that it actually becomes so much harder. So I think that actually the path of least resistance is to have a strong support network and it makes things so much easier. I mean, when I think about something non-critical perhaps in my business where I might want to know how to um, do something on social media that I don't know how to do. And it would be great for marketing, but it's not a must have. It would just help. And um, I'm not going to try and figure that out for myself because I haven't got a clue. I'm going to seek out someone who, who knows exactly how to do this and I'm going to pay them and learn or get them to do it for me. And it's exactly the same with getting through really difficult life circumstances. I've had coaches, therapists, all kinds of different people, plus great friends, amazing friends and family who've helped me so much and I continue to lean on them as they do on me in certain circumstances. Um, and, and I think there's not only is there no shame in that, but it's the path of least resistance and it's a really loving path that will help you get through things so much more easily. And, and why try and figure it out all yourself if you've never been through this particular circumstance that you might be going through? Find someone who can support you, whether that's professionally or as a mate. Um, because it will make a huge world of difference. You say most of your work is to do with helping other women to find greater confidence. How do you think that some of these issues affect women differently in terms of how we react to the situations we find ourselves in? Do you mean differently to men? Differently to men, yeah. 
It's very interesting because I think women are more likely to reach out and ask for help. I think that there's a culture which is changing. We are seeing a lot of talk in in the media about toxic masculinity and the whole, you know, man up and don't show your emotions and you've got to get through it on your own. And men are now being encouraged to talk about how they feel and what's going on for them and to reach out and ask for help. But I think it's been much more acceptable for women to do that and to say, I'm struggling. I certainly find that in terms of when I'm speaking to mixed audiences, whether that's in the corporate sector or the personal development sector, I do find that women will talk much more openly about their struggles, um, especially around how they feel about themselves, their confidence and their self-worth. Often, um, if it's a mixed audience, men are more likely to talk about how they feel they're too confident and that they come across as arrogant. Um, And I find that if there's a lot of quite confident males in the room, that the women won't want to talk up at all which is quite, it's quite interesting. I I do think that men and women respond differently. And a lot of that's cultural programming. And we are seeing that shift. Um, And and also, I think it's something to do with masculine and feminine energy or ways of being in general, in that masculine energy is often very much about being the hero, winning, rising to the top, being that lone wolf, um, and all of that kind of thing. Whereas female energy is far more collaborative. Um, and about, you know, when when we all, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, let's all succeed together and give each other a helping hand on the way up. Obviously, everybody is going through a really, really strange time at the moment. And, you know, the pandemic is affecting people differently. You know, some people might feel cabin fever. Some people might feel really isolated. Some people might, you know, have bereavement and other things to deal with or being very afraid of being ill. You know, it's, it's a whole host of issues that are, are all, obviously all really complicated. But from your experience, what techniques would you suggest might help people uh, to come through this time with a certain amount of, of resilience and ability to cope with what's going on in the world? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I certainly every single thing that you just mentioned, I have felt at one time or another. I think we all have, actually. I think we've all felt this great sense of being cooped up, being worried about getting ill, um, perhaps being, you know, suffering bereavement, all of this, um, which, you know, which, which has made it very difficult. I think the first thing to say is take care of yourself. And I'm increasingly been seeing this over the last year with with companies, actually, is that they've become hyper aware in a way that they've never been before of just how important well-being is and that it's a well-being first approach now rather than a productivity first and we hope that you're okay and we've got a tick box of well-being somewhere on our on our schedule you know once a year we might have a workshop now companies are realizing you know their their staff desperately need to look after their well-being first otherwise they can't show up for anything so I think looking after your well-being, making sure you're getting enough sleep, making sure you are getting fresh air. Um, but I think well-being extends well beyond just making sure you're drinking enough water and eating enough vegetables and, and moving your body. I think we also have social well-being and spiritual well-being. 
And so if you're the kind of person where I think it's especially hard for extroverts at the moment because they're not able to be bantering with people in the office and going out for drinks after work and all of that kind of thing. And for the introverts who are stuck at home with lots of other people in close close proximity or even just a few flatmates, it's really hard as well to get that personal space. So all all of us are struggling in different ways, but it's about knowing what your needs are and making sure that you meet them and not not feeling bad for that at all just knowing that by taking care of yourself on every single level physical emotional social spiritual you you'll stand in in really good stead to get through it much better and also make make space for fun make space for plenty of fun go out of your way to watch comedy to put on music while you're tidying the kitchen and have a dance around i think that so much of the fun in life whether that's enjoying going to the theatre, the cinema, the seeing friends, going out for a meal has been lost um, in lockdown. All the things that we can't do. And so you have to deliberately make sure that you're not missing out. And because that's the juiciness of life. Those are some great tips. I mean, do you ever find yourself worrying, looking at the sky almost and thinking, you know, what's the next cloud that might come along and starting to, to worry like that? And if so, how do you stop yourself from doing that? My goodness, yes, I really do. And actually, after um, it was about four or five months after my surgery, my mastectomy and reconstruction, that the enormity of it all hit me like a ton of bricks. And I did go into quite a state of hypervigilance of what's going to go wrong next. And used a lot of different tools because because I'd had those two huge events in the space of, you know, a couple of years of the car accident and the breast cancer and major surgery, there was this sense of what's going to go wrong next. And I found myself really anxious in the car, thinking I was going to be driven into again. I found myself really anxious about things to do with the children that I hadn't been anxious about before, just everything. And I think the thing that has helped me the very most, and actually this is something I learned through the addiction recovery process initially, is to come back to the here and now. And I was actually talking to one of my children about it the other night when they were feeling rather anxious about something at bedtime and just said, well, tell me everything you're worried about. And he told me all these things. And I said, "Okay, what's happening right now? And he said, well, I'm on your bed with you, mummy, and we're having a cuddle and Fizzy's here and she's being sweet and I'm going to go to bed soon. And I said, "Okay, so any of are any of those things that you're worried about, are they happening right now? And he said they weren't. And I said, okay, so shall we worry about them when they start to happen, if they start to happen, and not worry about them because they're not happening right now? And he he was greatly relieved by that. And I think there's a sense that sometimes it is really easy to do what I call living in the wreckage, potential wreckage of the future and, and let your let your anxieties run ahead of you. But generally, right here, right now, in the present moment, everything's okay. I know that the, that I've touched on some of the core principles of, of mindfulness with that description of just being able to observe what's going on for you and then detach from it and question it and think to yourself, do I want to go down that road or would it serve me better to focus on something else? And it's one of those great things when you can detach from your thoughts and say, well, is it true? Do I want to believe this? Do I want to go down that train of thought? Or actually, would it be better to notice that? I'm fine right now and the dog's here and there's food in the fridge 
And actually, none of us are sick right now. So let's just go with that. Go with what's actually happening. Go with the, the facts rather than the fears. So I hope that makes sense. That's lovely. That's really helpful advice. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this Head Talks podcast. We hope you found it helpful and interesting. You can find many more talks on our website at headtalks.com or listen to our podcasts on all the usual channels.